Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. Welcome back to another episode of the Ready for Retirement podcast. I'm your host, James Canole. On today's episode, we are talking all about health savings accounts or HSAs. And part of me wants to call them the best kept secret in financial planning, but part of me doesn't. And the reason for that is they're not really secrets, but I don't think people fully understand to the extent that HSAs can be an incredible part of their retirement planning toolkit. So in today's episode, I'm calling this a complete guide to health savings accounts because we are going to look at some well-known features of HSAs as well as some of those features that aren't maybe as well-known, but more importantly, how can you use this to improve your retirement plan? Now, this whole episode, this is based upon a question from a listener. And as a side note, if you have a question and you're listening to this and you would love for me to answer in a future episode, please submit that. I'm not able to get to every single episode, but I do read all the questions that come in and based upon the questions that come in, I prioritize the questions I'm going to respond to by what general types of issues are people most focused on. So always appreciate when you submit questions. And today's episode is based on a question from John. John says this. He says, I'm currently using my HSA as a retirement lever. My wife and I are making maximum contributions to our 401k and Roth and HSA accounts. We are paying medical expenses out of our net income and save receipts for a rainy day to pull the funds from the HSA account. Not sure if I've heard you discuss HSAs yet. I'm hoping you see them as the gym that I do. Both my wife and I are 53 years old and working on FIRE, which, side note for anyone that doesn't know, stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. And then he goes on to say, we have the following accounts, 350000 in brokerage accounts, $1.35 million in 401ks, 300000 in Roth IRAs, 50000 in an HSA, 850000 as a lump sum pension that they'll receive in retirement age 55, hoping to retire at 55. John goes on to say, I would love to hear your thoughts about pulling back on tax deferred to the point where our adjusted gross income puts us at the Roth IRA income limits and do more after tax contributions after that. And that's the end of John's question. Well, John, thank you very much for that question. And there's a couple components to it. There's the HSA question that he has, and I'll spend the majority of today's episode going over that. There's also the other one of looking to retire early. Should we pull back a little bit on pre-tax deferral to put more money into after-tax accounts, whether those are Roth IRAs or brokerage accounts? I focused already a couple episodes on that, and there's a couple details that I'm missing here in terms of income today, desired expenses in retirement, a couple other factors. So because of that, I'm going to spend the focus of today's episode on the HSA question because I think that's the area that I haven't explored a whole lot on the podcast up to this. And admittedly, I don't think that HSAs get nearly enough press or nearly as much coverage as they should. If they're used properly, if you're eligible for one, the HSA can be one of the best retirement investment accounts there is. So let's start by understanding how does it work? When can you use this? And most importantly, how can you leverage this to get the most out of your retirement plan? Now, real quick, before I do, wanted to quickly highlight the review of the week. And this review of the week comes from NS Conductor. And the title is Superb Financial Podcast. It's a five-star review. And NS Conductor says this. The Ready for Retirement Podcast is, in my opinion, right on point. Easy to understand. Actionable information each week. James boils down what can be complex information into bite-sized pieces and useful examples of the theories that brings clarity. 
The Ready for Retirement podcast should be listened to by everyone nearing, in, or even thinking about retirement. Simply excellent. Thank you very much. And as conductor, I always appreciate that. So if you have not left a review and would like to do so, and if you've gotten any value out of the show, number one would appreciate a quick review. And more importantly, I would love it if you would share this podcast with a friend, a family member, someone thinking about retirement, someone in retirement, someone who's bored and wants something to listen to, whoever you can think of. Love being able to spread this message. And if there's people that you think could benefit from this information, please don't hesitate to share this podcast with them. So that being said, let's jump into the episode for today and start working through the complete guide to health savings accounts. Well, let's start with how an HSA works. To start, you first have to understand if you qualify for an HSA. Not every single person can use an HSA. And in fact, you can only utilize an HSA if you are covered by a high deductible health plan at work or if a spouse is covered by a high deductible health plan at work. In order to have the ability to put money into an HSA, you first have to have the high deductible health plan. If you don't have a high deductible health plan, I think I've said high deductible health plan too many times by now, but if you don't have it, you're not eligible for an HSA. So right off the bat, that's the first qualification. Now let's assume that you are qualified. Here's the benefit of an HSA is any money that you put into an HSA is pre-tax. So if you put dollars in there, you're not paying taxes on those dollars. So it's kind of like a 401k or a traditional IRA in this sense of if your income is hundred grand and you put five grand into an HSA, you only pay taxes on $95,000. So it's a tax-free contribution, meaning you don't pay taxes on the money growing in. But then the beauty of an HSA is as those funds are growing, they're also growing tax-free. So still similar to an IRA in this sense where you got the deduction on the way in, the money grows tax-free as it compounds year over year. And then finally, and this is where it's different from an IRA or a pre-tax 401k, if you pull funds out for qualified medical expenses, then that is tax-free as well. So you could potentially get triple tax benefits if you're utilizing your HSA, as I'm going to recommend a lot of people do, which is really one of the only possible accounts where this can even happen. So that's where the comparison to an IRA or 401k stops is with an IRA or 401k, it's tax-free on the way in, tax-free, at least tax-deferred growth on the way up, but then you pay taxes when that money comes out. The benefit of the HSA is you're not paying taxes on the way out if you're using the money for qualified medical expenses. Now, a caveat to this for the pre-tax dollar statement I made, there are two states that actually don't recognize HSAs. And unfortunately, one of them is my home state of California. The other is New Jersey. So what that means is if you live in California or New Jersey, you still get a federal deduction if you put money into an HSA. But California and New Jersey, they don't recognize the HSA. So they're just looking at it as if you're putting money into a standard investment account. So it's not going to save you taxes when you make that HSA contribution on your state tax return, nor is the growth on that going to be tax-free. So that's just a caveat to the tax-free benefit of it that I mentioned. Federally, it's tax-free. In 48 of the 50 states, it's tax-free, which is a little misleading because some states don't have taxes to start with. So this is not a tax deduction as much as it wouldn't be taxed in the first place. But there are two states, California and New Jersey, where you're not actually getting the tax benefit for this. Doesn't mean you can't do an HSA. You still absolutely can. And if you live in those states, it will be a deduction on your federal tax return, but it will not be a deduction on your state tax return. So that's the big benefit of an HSA is the tax treatment of it, of money going in can be tax-free, money growing can be tax-free, money coming out can be tax-free. 
And here's another amazing thing is by age 65, you can use HS money for medical expenses, of course. And by the way, you can use those monies for medical expenses at any age. If you're 30 and funding an HSA, you can pull money out to fund medical expenses tax-free. If you're 70, you can have money in an HSA that you pull out tax-free for medical expenses. So there's no limit on when you can use these funds if they're for medical expenses. But a huge side benefit is after age 65, you can also use HS money for non-medical expenses. Now you pay taxes on that, but there's no penalty. So it's almost like it's turned into a traditional IRA where for whatever reason you overfund your HSA and you have more than enough to cover all of your medical expenses, you can actually start to withdraw some of those funds. And yes, you pay taxes, but it's just like a traditional IRA or traditional 401k where you got the tax deduction up front, that money grew tax-free, and now you're paying for it on the back end. So ideally you have medical expenses that you can use that money for, so it's completely tax-free, But as a side benefit, if you're 65 or older, you can use those HS dollars for anything and not have a penalty. So there are some incredible benefits to using an HSA, which leads to the next question of how much can you put into an HSA? Well, it depends upon whether you're doing an HSA for yourself only or for a family. And the limits for 2022 is the HSA contribution limit is 3,650 if it's an individual, so only for yourself HSA. Or if it's a family plan, the limit is $7,300. If you are 55 years old or older, there's an annual catch-up contribution. It's an additional $1,000. So keep that in mind. The catch-up contribution for things like 401ks or IRAs or retirement plans is 50. For whatever reason, the IRS decided to make the HSA catch-up contribution age at age 55. So there is a difference there. But if you're 55 or older, you can do an additional $1,000 to your HSA, which makes the max contribution $8,300. An additional way in which HSA contributions are different than retirement plan contributions, like a 401k, is if you take something like a 401k, you have your own contribution limit, and then your employer can match on top of that. So if you're 50 or older, for example, in this year, you can put up to $27,000 into your 401k, And your employer can contribute above and beyond that up until an IRS total limit on 401k contributions. But for most people, they are just focused on what their personal limit is, which for 2022 is $27,000 if you're 50 or older. For an HSA, if your employer is also making contributions to your HSA, that counts against your contribution limit. So unlike your 401k where you could do both, if the max for an HSA is $8,300 because you're over 55, And your employer, let's say, puts in a thousand bucks a month, that's $1,200 for the year, which means you could only put in $7,100 without going above the limit. So the limit is combined between the dollars you put in, between the dollars that your employer puts in. The cap is the combined limit between the two of those. Now, people hear this and they say, okay, that's great, that $8,300 I can put in, but isn't the HSA one of those plans where if you don't use it, you lose it? That's a common question. The answer is no. Those are FSAs or flexible spending accounts. With FSAs, any amounts that you don't use, and sometimes there's a small amount that will roll over, but for the most part, any unused amounts are lost. You just forfeit those balances. Well, with HSAs, it's totally different. With a health savings account, you retain full control over that balance. And if you fund it with $8,300 and you don't spend any of those $8,300 on medical expenses, that rolls over to the next year where you can add another 8,300, assuming, of course, you're 55 years old or older. 
So that is a benefit. As I mentioned, that this can be a great way to, or a lot of people can have tremendous success leveraging HSAs throughout retirement, is they begin accumulating these HSA balances and allowing them to grow. So by the time that they retire, oftentimes one of your big expenses is going to be medical expenses. Well, if you have a big bucket of tax-free dollars that you can use to pay for those medical expenses, that's going to go a long way in retirement. Also, unlike an FSA, also unlike a flexible savings account, you can invest funds in an HSA. With a flexible savings account, an FSA, you cannot invest those funds. With an HSA, you can. And typically how it works is you're required to keep some relatively small amount. Might be $1,000, might be $2,000. You're required to keep that in cash. But any excess amounts above and beyond that, you can invest. And I referenced this a little bit earlier where I said money in an HSA, it goes in tax-free, it grows tax-free, and it comes out tax-free. Well, when I mention it grows tax-free, this is what I'm talking about. If you are investing those funds and your funds are growing from 8000 to 10000 to fifteen to 20000 not of new contributions, but just of growth, all that growth is happening tax-free with, of course, the exception of state taxes in California and New Jersey. So that's a huge benefit, as we're going to see in a second as we look at a use case for this. But with a health savings account, you can invest this just like you could your 401k IRA or any other investment account. Now, what about eligibility? What has to happen to be able to use an HSA? Well, number one, as I mentioned before, is you have to be covered by a high deductible health plan. Now, with a high deductible health plan, that's not an HMO. That's not a PPO. Either of those could potentially have a high deductible health plan option. So you can get this through a PPO or you can get this through an HMO. The big key here or the biggest difference is the deductible is going to be higher. So that's the first requirement. The next thing to note, and this is actually not a requirement at all as much as a side note, that there's no income limits. So if you look at a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA or certain types of investment accounts, if you make over a certain level of income, you can't contribute to those anymore. With an HSA, there are no income limits. So you can make as much money as you like and still be eligible for an HSA, which is great because especially for people who are in higher brackets, once you've maxed out your 401k, you're starting to look to say, well, where else can I start to put money to save money on taxes? A lot of people, if they're covered by an HSA, don't really think of this as an extra place to add money, but this can be a tremendous place to add money. And the reason for this is it's going to help you to lower your taxes today. It's going to be a tax-free bucket of money that you could use to pay for medical expenses if needed. And then finally, if you don't even need this for medical expenses, well, then it's just like an extra 401k contribution that you made in the sense that after age 65, you can start to take income from this like you would a 401k. Also, another benefit of this plan above and beyond an IRA or 401k is there's no required minimum distributions. So those pre-tax balances and 401ks and IRAs, you are going to be forced to start taking that money out at certain ages. HSAs do not have that requirement, which is another nice benefit. Now let's go over some actual practical use cases of how can you leverage an HSA to improve what you're doing financially. And it sounds like John is already doing this based upon the way that he worded his question. But one of the amazing things about an HSA is there's really no time frame for when you use those funds. So one way in which you can use them and one way in which a lot of people use them is let's say they contribute 5,000 to their HSA. And then let's assume they go to the doctor and they happen to have a hospital bill for exactly $5,000. Well, they might pull that 5000 out of their HSA and pay off the hospital bill. So essentially what just happened in that year is they got to deduct that $5,000 of medical expenses because they put it into an HSA to get the tax deduction and then use that to pay off their bills. Well, 
let's look at another example. What if you're not actually pulling funds out of your HSA in the year that it's incurred because there's no time frame for when you have to use those funds? You can use the funds and you can use them in a tax-free way at any time as long as you'd funded your HSA by the time that those expenses were incurred. For example, I'm going to pick on John. John submitted this question. Now, I'm just making these details up and using John's name, but let's assume that 10 years ago is when John started funding his HSA. And John mentioned that he has $50,000 in his HSA today, but let's assume that he started doing that 10 years ago. Well, let's assume nine years ago, John had a surgery because he broke his leg or something, and that surgery cost $3,000. Well, instead of pulling money from his HSA, let's say that he paid cash. And then let's assume the next year he had another surgery because he broke his other leg and decided to pay cash. And then the next year, and the next year, and the next year, let's just assume that John was very unlucky and kept having significant medical expenses. And let's assume that over the last 10 years, since the time that he started funding his HSA, he's had $30,000 of medical expenses. Well, if every single time he had a medical expense, he drew money from his own personal cash flow, meaning he kept the money in the HSA, he didn't actually draw from it, he could go back at any time this year, next year, 10 years from now, he could go back at any time and pull that money out that he had incurred in medical expenses completely tax-free. So if we assume that over the past decade, John's had $30,000 in medical expenses and he currently has $50,000 in his HSA, if he wanted to or if he needed to, he could pull $38,000 out today. And as long as he has the receipts to prove that he had spent that money on qualified medical expenses, that $30,000 is completely tax-free. So in a way, you can almost think of your HSA as like an extra emergency fund. Let's say you run into hard times and you lose a job and you have some major expenses that are not medical expenses, but just major medical expenses. And you're saying, shoot, I've burned through my emergency fund. I have major expenses. What else can I access? I can pull from my IRA or from my 401k, but I'm going to pay taxes and a penalty. Well, in this case, John could pull $30,000 out from his HSA and have those funds completely tax-free, even though he didn't have a single medical expense this year. So that's a huge benefit of HSAs. The time frame of when you actually pull money out is very flexible, allowing you to let those funds continue growing, knowing that you could always pull them out if needed. So what's the best way to maximize your benefit with an HSA? One is kind of that example that we just use of John. Let's look at another example. Let's assume that John, again, is going to fund his HSA, and let's assume he's going to do so for the next 20 years. Well, John puts in $5,000 to his HSA, and every year, let's also assume that he has exactly $5,000 worth of medical expenses, and then John retires. Now, obviously, John wants to retire sooner than that. I'm just using this as a hypothetical here. But if John does this for the next 20 years, he would have reduced his taxable income by $100,000. And that's simply because the $5,000 that he's using every year to pay for medical expenses isn't being taxed. So it's not a $100,000 deduction in one year. It's a cumulative $100,000 reduction of his taxable income over the course of those 20 years. So that is good. That's a benefit it helped him to reduce his taxes by using his HSA to pay for medical expenses as opposed to forgoing the HSA and just having the money paid directly to him, which he would have incurred taxes on, and then paying those same medical expenses and likely for most people not being able to deduct those medical expenses on any type of an itemized deduction on his tax return. Now, let's assume the same thing, but what if year by year, John invests that 5000 and instead pays for medical expenses from normal cash flow? 
So what he's doing, and he's putting $5,000 into his HSA, he's investing those funds to let them grow, and he's paying for his medical expenses, of course, just out of his bank account, not touching his HSA money. Well, if we assume that those contributions, the $5,000 per year, if they're invested, and let's assume that over 20 years, they average 8% growth, that money, he now has $289,000 or so in an HSA account that's a completely tax-free pot of money that could be used for medical expenses throughout retirement. So people listening to this, they say, yeah, well, what about the money he had to spend along the way? Well, sure, he came out of pocket an extra $100,000 in order to do that, but he now has all that growth on that money. So an extra $189,000 of growth on his $100,000 of contributions that's completely tax-free that can help to pay for a whole lot of expenses in retirement. So yes, this strategy, it requires you to come out of pocket more than you would have, but it's giving you more tax-free money in retirement. And again, one of people's biggest costs in retirement or biggest concerns in retirement is how do they fund healthcare? So if you have this money in an HSA, there's a whole bunch of stuff that it can cover. It can cover acupuncture, ambulance, artificial limbs and teeth, chiropractor, crutches, dental treatments, doctor office visits, drug prescriptions, guide dogs, hearing aids, insulin, laboratory fees, orthodontics, over-the-counter medicines and drugs, PPE, physical therapy, surgery, vision exams, walkers, wheelchairs. It can pay for parts of your Medicare premium, parts B and part D. So there's a whole bunch of different expenses that your HSA balance can use. And as you think about this, how nice would it be if you could fund all those different things in a completely tax-free way? And really, if you're overfunded on your HSA, if you have too much there, well, it's just like having more money in your IRA or your 401k, where that money could then be withdrawn for anything after 65 and older, just subject to taxes. Now, one other detail here that a lot of people aren't familiar with, and in some cases, it can actually be quite beneficial is the IRS actually allows you for one year, so you can make a one-time tax-free trustee-to-trustee transfer of IRA funds into your HSA. So say, for example, whatever reason, cash flow is just really tight, but you said, gosh, I really would love to be able to fund my HSA account for the year. Well, if you have an existing traditional IRA, you could transfer funds from your IRA into your HSA, which is just a way of moving funds from one tax-free account to another tax-free account but with the added benefit, of course, they can be used for medical expenses, completely tax-free, even coming out. The caveat to this is any funds that you transfer from your IRA to your HSA are subject to the maximum contribution limit. So $8,300 for this year, if you're 55 or older, is the maximum contribution limit, meaning you cannot contribute any more than $8,300. So if you're putting, say, $4,000 into your HSA on your own contributions, your IRA transfer would be limited to $4,300. So unfortunately, it's not like you can take an unlimited amount from your IRA and put it into your HSA, which would have a huge amount of benefits, but it is a one-time, so lifetime, one-time transfer, and you can move funds from your IRA into your HSA, but you also must be covered by a high deductible health plan at the time this contribution is made. So it's not like you can retire, and once you're retired and move funds from your IRA into your HSA, you have to be enrolled in the high deductible health plan and be eligible for an HSA for a 13 month period after the fund transfer. So there are some rules and some parameters around it, but if you're tight on cash flow and you want to fund an HSA and you're covered by a high deductible health plan at work, this could be a way that you think about doing that. All right, a couple last details on this that are important to know about HSAs, one of which is beneficiaries. So just like you would with a traditional IRA or retirement plan, you should name a beneficiary on your HSA. 
If you name your spouse as your HSA beneficiary, then when you pass away, the HSA becomes your spouse's HSA. They can maintain the HSA in their name. They can continue to access those funds. Everything works out the same. They don't even have to have an HSA eligible health insurance program to continue to hold the HSA. However, if they do have a high deductible health plan, then they could become the owner of that HSA and continue to make contributions. But anyways, if it's your spouse, it's pretty straightforward. They simply inherit the HSA and can use it as their own. If it's your children, however, the rules are different and they're not quite as friendly. If your children inherit your HSA, then the entire value of the HSA account becomes taxable to any non-spouse beneficiary. So if you have, say, 50 grand in HSA that went unused and your spouse is maybe predeceased you and your children inherit your account, they would pay taxes on the full 50 grand as if it was a taxable distribution. So keep that in mind if legacy planning is important to you, that it is potentially possible to have too much in an HSA, which is where understanding that you can use an HSA is really just a regular spending account like an IRA if you're 65 or older. Where do I often recommend HSA contributions? Well, if you're getting a 401k match as you're saving and planning for retirement, then for most people, taking that 401k match is the place to start. However, after that, the HSA should be very high in your priority list of the first thing that you fund once you've taken full advantage of that match. Now, this isn't universal because again, not everyone has a high deductible health plan. Not everyone has the HSA, but if you have it, that's the next place I typically look to consider using it is once you've taken full advantage of the employer match, then look to do the HSA. Then depending on your situation, maybe it makes sense to do more to your 401k or a Roth IRA or a brokerage account or whatever the case might be. One other major detail is if you are enrolled in Medicare, you can continue to use your HSA funds, but you cannot make new contributions. So that's just something important to note. There is some rules around that. So that is it for today's episode. I know we covered a lot of kind of individual planning points with HSAs, which I believe is very important because as I mentioned, I don't think HSAs get nearly enough attention. Admittedly, I myself don't give them nearly enough attention on this podcast or other places. And part of the reason is because not everyone has them, not everyone's eligible for them. But if you are, it can be a really great place to prepare for retirement in a way of having tax-free income for medical expenses, as well as just having another pot of money that you can access freely after certain ages. So I hope that was helpful. Again, if you haven't done so already, would really love if you left a review on the podcast, would really appreciate it if you shared the podcast with a friend or a coworker or someone near in retirement, want to make sure that as many people as possible are able to hear it. So thank you for your time. I appreciate you listening and I'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ready for Retirement podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let me know by leaving a five-star review. And as always, for a list of the notes and the resources mentioned in today's episode, you can find those at the Ready for Retirement website, which is readyforretirement.co. That's readyforretirement.co. And if you have a question that you would like for me to answer in a future episode, then you can also go to the Ready for Retirement website, readyforretirement.co. There's a page called Submit Your Question where you can submit a question for me to answer in a future episode. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hey everyone, it's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only.